involved, maybe you can't travel or, or those type of things, you can be involved by giving. Uh, if you want to make a one-time donation, you can do that at any time during the year. Let's say God just blesses you and unexpectedly. And you're like, man, I didn't expect this money. What can I do with it? And, and maybe God would lay it on your heart. We will make sure it gets there, okay? Uh, and I love the fact that 100% of what we give goes into supporting uh, what they're doing on the ground. Uh, again, uh, many of us have been in these areas uh, and are excited. To, uh, to, some of us will be back down there in April for Sydney's wedding and uh, to, to David. And uh, we'll, we'll just see what... Now, you might not know that Sydney's fiancé now, he is a pilot, and he has been flying uh, um, missions uh, to bring resources to Haiti since the last earthquake there. Uh, he's been working for the UN, is that correct? And so uh, pray for David as he is a pilot that's been flying planes to deliver resources to Haiti. I have been in Haiti. I was there after the, uh, that initial earthquake some years ago, and, and I, I can't imagine it's any better than it was um, then. And now another one on top of that. Uh, when we go to the Dominican, it's just the other side of the island. And the difference there is incredible. But David has been very busy, and he's gone, right? Like he doesn't come back till March, a month before the wedding. So uh, he is flying planes. The good thing about this is David working for the UN and flying planes is going to help him with paperwork and things like that that we need. Uh, and so we want to pray for all of those things. But, you know, uh, lots of opportunities. Amen. Exciting news to think about uh, how God is using our little church in a lot of ways. Amen? It's good. All right, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And as you go there, did I forget anything, Tim? All right, great. Um, no, I still feel like I'm forgetting something, but hey, it's the end of the year. Amen. Um, we hope everyone had a great Christmas day yesterday. It was our quiet year for us and our family. Uh, our, our kids were... You know, gone and the in-laws and things like that. And so it was just me and my wife yesterday. And uh, I, I loved it. It was such a great day. Like, my wife was in her pajamas. She got up and she did her hair. And she did her, her, her what little bit of makeup she wears. And, and she came out of the bathroom. She was still in her pajamas. And I thought, okay, well, she'll go change in a little bit. And she, she never changed out of her pajamas all day long. And, that, and then in the... Then, <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and, and, and then in the evening, yesterday evening, she was like, I just, I really feel like we should go do something. I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, uh, it was a great day, to be honest. And I hope your day was full of joy and rest, too. So, uh, good. Hey, I, I want to read this portion of Scripture to you as we come to a close here. Is that all right? I'm just going to keep you for a few more minutes, not super long. But in Luke chapter 2, it's very familiar in, in the sense that we know this story a lot. But I, I just want to reiterate this story based on what I feel like God spoke in the... I couldn't leave it after the message uh, the other week where you know, the, the wise men show up and provide resources. Um, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And Jesus and his parents having to flee to Egypt for three plus years right after that to see how God has planned everything. And I was sharing with Tim a little bit the other day just some of the things we're working on for January where there's a portion of Scripture, and I'm going to wait till January to show you this, where God specifically says, I have planned it. But it'll shock you about what is happening 
when you see that God specifically says, but I have planned it. And you're like, God would not plan that. But yet in his own words, he says that. Now watch this. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel uh, reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a babe wrapped snugly in strips of cloth laying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest in heaven and peace on earth. To those with whom God is pleased. Were they singing it? Were they saying it? Who cares? We picture them just singing. The host of heaven. Verse uh, 15. When the angels had returned to heaven. The shepherds said to Egypt. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened. Which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village. And found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. I don't, just there's, For me, sometimes I just read the scripture and I want to really ponder the expression. They were astonished. It didn't say they didn't believe. All who heard the story, were, they didn't believe them. It says they were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks. The shepherds went back to their flocks. The shepherds went back to their flocks. Glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just, it was just as the angels had told them. So Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear. And the receiving of her heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said? All right, I have a major announcement. I've been waiting for the proper time to make this announcement. And uh, it's been one of those things where I had to pray and, and just say, God, what about it? When do we make this announcement? Are you ready? Here's my major announcement. You have 364 days until Christmas. You have 364 more days till Christmas. Here's the thing. You shouldn't be surprised when it comes back around. The fact of the matter is this Christmas, this Christmas that we have all just experienced, sermons without number have literally been preached to celebrate Bethlehem's baby. All over the world, all through the church. It's an an incredible story. We come here every year. We're so familiar with the story. And we're so familiar with the context that sometimes we can be a little bit bored. We can be a little bit, um, I don't know, lackadaisical about, about it. I mean, it happens every year. It happens every year. I mean, come on, think about it. Am I the only one that really feels like Christmas this year kind of caught up to me quicker than I thought it would. Like, whoa, I I still got a couple of gifts I need to go get. 
right? Like, um, like even on Thursday, the day before Christmas Eve, Thursday, the day before Christmas Eve, uh, that's Christmas Eve, Eve, I, I was still kind of like, oh, I still got to, you know, like I'd promised Bo was going to come help with some things. I was like, dude, I gotta, I'll be there. <laughs> I got something I got to go do. Because it kind of gets you. But it's coming. It's coming every year, isn't it? And so the story of Christmas comes every year. And, and it's there in front of us. But I, I think this year for us, personally, it's been interesting for me to see how the cast of Christmas related to the advent of Christmas. It was unique for me. I'd never taken this kind of journey. No matter how many Christmas sermon series that I have preached. And and it's been an incredible journey to to preach them and put them together. But for me, uniquely, it it was interesting to see how the cast of Christmas itself related to the advent of Christmas. I mean, did they check him out? Like... Did they try to figure out whether the story was true or not? Did they wonder about the future or the technicalities of the Christmas message? Did they, did they wonder, like, is this really happening? And, and for us, every year, as we get to this point, what's next? Christmas is over. New Year's is coming. We hope that the next year will be better than the rest, but we're not sure. Especially in the world that you and I live in. Come on, we, we thought, okay, we get away from 2019 or get into 2020. And boy, what happened? In tw- Hello, somebody. 2020 would have been a year no one would have ever. And then we think, okay, ending 2020, we're coming into 2021. All that's going to be behind us. And, and we find out that it seems like instead of things getting behind us, that they just get crazier in front of us. Dark times, dark days. Evil days. Christmas comes once a year, and regardless, it comes with the glitter and the gaiety of the season. But what about the day after Christmas? I mean, do you, do you sit down and search the scripture for current stuff? Like, Lord, I need a word today. Like, what's the word expressing to me about how, where I'm at right now? Or do we just... Take the journey through there and what about the day after Christmas? I know what it's like for me. Here we are today. Right? Like some of us are still in the, you know, pajama phase. Do I have to get up? Right? Like, what about, what do, you know, do we have to do that? Like, come on. Or some of us are still excited about, hey, what's next? The next event we get to go to or the next family members we get to see. What about the day after Christmas? When, when the presents have gone from under the tree and the festivities have all been canceled or done away with or, or they're over with. And, you know, those family members are finally, finally going home. Whew. What, what then? I mean, it's a legit question. I just put here, in, in the ancient story of the first Christmas, you know what I noticed about the cast of Christmas? They were forever changed by it. Come on. We took this whole cast. We took the, the famous participants. And here's what I noticed about it. 
the day after Christmas, they were still changed. They were forever changed by it. Not just in that moment where they had an emotional thing or they had an an incredible experience and they walk away from that and put it behind them. It so radically changed their lives that every day after that event was changed forever. And what happens for us at Christmas? Sounds, lights, music, it's all, come on. Uh, If I have to hear, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas at my house one more time this year. (laughs) Decorations are put away. Come on, look, I mean, we still have them up. And how long do we leave them up? Like, what's the tradition? Some people take them down right away. Some people leave them up until the day after New Year's Day. Some people never take them down all year long. um, You know... Um, and, and where do we put them? Oh, my word. Like, right? Like in the garage, in the attic, in the boxes. Where do we put these things? And, and if we think about our, our work and our family and our church and all the programs and the parties and the exchanges and, and, and all these things are over. I mean, the ladies get together woman to woman, does their woman to woman Christmas the 1st of December every year. And they do this game, which I think is evil. Is it, what do you call it, the white elephant gift game or whatever? I don't know. You get, you, you get to pick a present and people get to steal it from you. That's the spirit of Christmas. It really is. I mean, like, and it gets violent. Like, I mean, like, I, what? I'm like, my wife's like, hey, can you come and help us with that? I'm not coming. And that's like the UFC in there. Negative. I'm not doing that. I want to live. How about the memories that you capture? Here's a, here's a good one for you. The memories that you capture at Christmas, right? Like all of the pictures that you've taken. We take more pictures now than we've ever taken before. Tanya, why are you laughing? Did you steal somebody's gift? You did, didn't you? Was she, Lynette, was she violent to you? Your sisters, look what this game does. It's Christmas. <laughs> at a Christmas party. Church women have to have a rule for a Christmas party. No physical. I'm not going to that meeting. I am just not doing it. No, we're borrowing the football players' helmets. Next year, you guys got 500 people at this. (laughs) I know. Anyway, how about we take more pictures now than we've ever taken before? Where do they get stored? Like Facebook and Instagram and, and chap snapping and whatever this talk ticking or what I don't I got I can't do it. Like you know people are like, hey, did you check your did you check did you check your Instagram? I'm like, what? Yeah, I sent you something on Instagram. Listen, do you understand how there are five million social media I can't do them all. Do you know how much time you'd spend after check? Seven or eight different social media kind of platforms? Negative. I can't. So, uh, Facebook ticks me off enough. But we store them on Facebook, Instagram. They're all there. Hello, somebody. And you know what the hardest thing about Christmas being over? I know what it is. It's those Hallmark shows. You guys hate that, don't you? They're all gone now. Not till next year. You know what we do? We return to the same old 
Same old routines. The school is about, you guys excited about school? Look at the Carpenter boys. They're just like, nah. The Carpenter boys are telling me, I'm not real sure my teachers are excited about me coming back. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, the same old routines happen to us, and it's, it's year after year after year after year, the same demands. How many of you are not looking forward to the same demands that just a week or so ago you were able to walk away from and take a break? Come on, right? Like, now you got to go back to that, and come on, come on. Was it like that for the cast of Christmas after the first Christmas? Let's walk it through real quick here. You ready? Let's take the wise men. How long was the journey back to where they came from? Do you ever think about that? They traveled from afar. They're not firemen. That's a southern word for fire. But anyway. So, ah, I see you get it. Thanks, Elizabeth. We, but most people think they came from China. And if you just draw a line from the far east to Bethlehem, how long did it take them to get back? Did they get back with this? Did they go back with the same pace and hurriedness that they came? There was no star to guide them back. Like the wise men, they've got they've got months, months-long journey back to the east. Were they now believers instead of pagans? Come on, church. You can't drop this the day after Christmas. We have to watch this. Did they go back and influence their pagan culture? Because of what they had experienced, what they had seen. How could they deny that this star had guided them and that it took... I mean, the Bible says Jesus was a toddler when they found him. He's a couple years old. They've been on this journey for a couple of years. Now they got to go back? Were they believers now? Are they going to take the story of what they had experienced back to their pagan culture and share about their worship for the king of kings that, and this prophecy that had been fulfilled like no other prophecy had ever been fulfilled in all of their study of prophecy and this star that they would have probably learned to worship the stars and read the future from the stars. This was a pagan culture. Did they die for their new? God? But I need you to understand that no one else in all of history or created cosmos could have been prepared by God to go back to that culture and express the birth of Jesus Christ like they could have. No one it was like God planned it. I'm, I'm setting you up. How about the shepherds? How about the shepherds? Now they got to go back to the care of hundreds of smelly sheep. And if you know anything about sheep, they're incredibly needy. They're incredibly needy. They got to go back to their level of status in society. Hello, somebody which is discarded, yet incredibly necessary 
Do you understand that Bethlehem, I shared this Friday night, Bethlehem was not unknown to everyone. It was not insignificant. Even though most modern day teaching will tell us that Bethlehem was insignificant, it didn't mean anything. No, if you needed a spotless lamb for the sacrifice, there was one place and one place only you would go and get that spotless lamb because it was the only place that was known for producing spotless lambs and that was Bethlehem. And the tradition was that when a shepherd would see a, a, a spotless lamb being born, a lamb that would be worthy of sacrifice, he would take that lamb, separate it from the rest of it, wrap it in cloth, and place it in the feed trough. So everyone who came by would know that lamb is for sacrifice. When he raises, he will go. This is, he's separate from the rest of them. Bethlehem was known for its mangers. It was known for its spot. Where? It's almost like God planned. And here are men who are insignificant in all of the rest of the world in the most significant part of what God's plan was doing. Let me tell you something, church, right now. You're going to go back to doing what you were doing and you may feel in your life that you have been insignificant and unnoticed, but you have value. It's almost like God planned it. This small town of Bethlehem has got a population of about a thousand swales to like 20,000 during the census. It's kind of like Centerville during Fair Week. Hello, somebody. That's what you can imagine the traffic. This place that God used to change nations. It's almost like God planned it. And I love the account of the shepherds because they give me a clue of what after Christmas ought to look like. People must know. People must know. People must know. And church, if we are not in the people must know business, I'm going to ask you, what business are we in? If this church is not in the people must know business, what, what business are we in? And here we are now in a mood and in a time where the music is hushed and the echoes are dying out of the Christmas lights. They're fading away. The stillness again is descending onto our lives just like it would have in Judea. But what did the shepherds do? I need you to listen to me this morning. I want you to hear me very well. Every Christmas, we as Christians sing a song. We sing it today. Silent night, holy night. But it's only half true. Because it was far from silent. If you listen. Come on church. God himself spoke that night. The word became flesh. And through the cry of a baby after 400 years of silence. God is physically speaking. God is shaking the silence of 400 years with his own voice through the cry of a baby. Come on, church. It's incredible what is happening. Jesus Christ was his first, fullest, and final word to humankind. 
The angels, they spoke and it shook, it surprised the shepherds. And, and, and then they were joined in a chorus, which we like to believe is singing, that shatters the silence of the night. And, and as a multitude of heavenly hosts burst forth into praise, whatever that sounded like. And finally, when they see Jesus for themselves, the Bible says this in verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. People must know. Silent night? Hardly. Come on, church. Hardly. The airwaves crackled with the good news that the manger in Bethlehem cradled a king. This will shock you. The manger probably wasn't made out of wood. It was more like made out of cement. There's news that in Bethlehem. That this manger is cradling a king. Come on church. It's cradling a king. Can I say this to us church? Can I say this with all the, all the goodness in my heart? With all the excitement that's inside of me for what God is doing with our church and our ministry? Especially right here at Christmas after God has just spoken something so powerful to us over the last few weeks. Listen to me. Christmas is the beginning of the good news. Not the end. What about the day after Christmas is over? No, it's not. Christmas is the beginning of the good news. It's where it starts. Stephanie came up to me during worship and she was like, I just feel like this is not the end. And I was like, look what I wrote. This is just the beginning. It's an evil day, church, that needs good news. We should feel like it's almost like God planned for the church to be here. The news, the news media isn't going to give you good news. It doesn't make them money. Let me guarantee you, whichever way the news media leans, they are selling you a product. Fox News included. <laughs> they are selling you a product. And they are only interested in selling you the product that makes them the greatest profit. They are not for you. God is for you. And the only news they're interested in delivering is what blesses their pocketbooks. But I got news for you. There's a God who loves you and at Christmas didn't care about a pocketbook. He bankrupted heaven to give us good news. It's an evil day that needs good news. It's almost like God planned for us to be here. Yet we are so excited and can't wait to check out. I already punched my card. Jesus comes today. See y'all. If he comes tomorrow. As the church we need to be prepared to go today. And prepared to serve tomorrow. Hello, somebody. It's an evil day that needs good news. It's a broken and dying world that needs Christmas. Come on, church. Christmas is the beginning of the good news. It's a dark day that needs a light. 
2,000 years ago, and some still today have not heard the Christmas message, even though everybody knows about Christmas. And that's amen or oh me. Many have heard the message, but don't understand it. I mean, here's what we've heard, right? The kingdom of God, I mean, church and all these things, right? Like, you know, there's, the, there's, there's Jesus, there's this line and it, it extends throughout my life and there's either heaven or hell. And that's the point. Here's my problem with that theology. There's something that gets in the way of that understanding of what God is doing. It's called the Bible. It gets in the way of that. Is there heaven and hell? Absolutely. But the distance and time between what God is doing before I get there, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Come on, church. The message that they have heard has become so garbled that it bears little resemblance to the original gospel. The after Christmas spirit, it moves people who have been to Christ to tell others clearly and without distortion how they too can find him. That's the truth. That's what it, See, those who experienced the first Christmas were so radically changed by it, it was impossible for Christmas to be over for them. Life is forever altered by Christmas. You can write it down, you can tweet it, put it on one of those 500 social media platforms that you try to keep up with. And I love the fact that when I read the cast of Christmas and their life story, that you see how forever altered they are by the living Christ of Christmas. They're never the same. And I don't know about you, but see, I still need, I, I still need changing. This, <laughs> Just because my life was altered at my first encounter with Jesus doesn't mean he's done with me. And I'm still growing in my walk with him. I'm still walking with him every day. And there are times when I just have to look at people and go, look, forgive me. God's still working on me. I'm a bad attitude. Hello, somebody. I lost my temper, or you know what I'm saying? Like, Christmas should alter our lives. And see, we're waiting for that perfect gift to make the change in our life. We're hoping that under the tree, someone bought something for us, that when we open that present, that it will, it will so bless us, that it will so change us, that it'll be the thing we've longed for forever, that our life's going to be better for it. But the truth of the matter is, by the, by the afternoon of Christmas Day, we're back to doing, and we've put away anything we, come on. There's already a Christmas gift given to you that would change your life forever. His name is Jesus. And you can't put him down. You can't walk away from him. The center of our lives every day should be Jesus. It should be Jesus. Moment by moment. I mean, hour by hour, the center of our lives should be Jesus. And I love it how, how uh, you know, some of the young men uh, have come to me in church and just said, hey, God, God is really speaking to me about this thing. And it's strange because he's never spoken to me about this before. 
Come on, man. We're just riding with Jesus. Get in. Life's going to change. He's calling me closer and closer and closer to him. And as I get closer to him, I get further away from the world. And all of a sudden, I realize I need him more than I need that. Oh, hello, somebody. I need him more than I need that. He brings me more pleasure than that ever brought me. He, he, he never leaves me. He never leaves me, you know, drained or, or, or rejected. He, he always fills me. And I hunger and thirst for him more than I hunger and thirst. And I was like, man, he's like, what's going on in my life? And I said, man, God's just, God's just speaking to you, brother. This is like, what do I do with this? Get in the word. Get in prayer. Once you've seen Jesus... Once you've heard Jesus, once you've learned from Jesus, it takes you on a new direction. I am not who I was. And I am not yet who I want to be for the Lord. And if you don't believe that, I got some good Bible for you in 1 John 1, uh, chapters, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read the whole thing to you, but watch this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have... They touched him concerning the word of life. Gosh. Do you ever, I don't know if many of you are watching the Chosen series, but I, you know, I, I realize they're taking some liberties with it, but man, I'm just amazed at the personality. The, I love that they're just like me. I'm amazed at how many times they show... People touching Jesus physically. Can you imagine? Touching him. It says, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. That your joy may be full. The disciples were eyewitness of Jesus. The disciples kept Jesus at the center of their lives and their thoughts, their decisions, their beliefs, their actions, their behaviors, their dreams. Their work and their finances, their generosity, their service, their everything was changed because of Jesus. His direction is what we should only follow and always obey. Hello, somebody. I mean, I remember when young Sydney came. My office was over here at this particular. You remember that? She came. She said, I got to meet with you guys. God has spoke to me. So me and my wife met with her, and she's like, I'm like, what, what's going on in your heart and life? She said, God has called me to Thailand. Remember that? And to the mission field. And I, I, we're like, what, what is God calling you to Thailand for? Like, Hold up, wait, wait a minute. And, and she was like, I just feel like I need to get involved. Now, this is going to play out. See, you forgot this. You just testified to what you feel like God is calling. You forgot this. I didn't. God is calling me to work with young girls who have been involved in the sex trade or sexual abuse. And I think Thailand is the best place to go because it's so rampant there. My wife's own testimony was her mother told her, I needed to get you out of Thailand so you didn't wind up in the sex trade. If you never heard that, you need to hear it. And now Sydney stands before us all those years later and says, I feel like God is calling me to work with young women. It's almost like God planned it. And we were like, look, we don't want you to go to Thailand. 
I say not the Lord. That's what the Apostle Paul said in this moment. It's not a commandment from God. But I'm like, hey, why don't you, we're going to Nicodiah, right? Why don't you go with us there first? And she was like, okay. And we get there and I remember texting her parents that first week. You remember this? Sydney was with us in Nicodiah. And I said to them, hey, I just need you guys to understand she's never coming home. And they both texted me back and said, we knew it. It's almost like God planned it. We should always obey what God is speaking to us. Now, I'm I'm saying this, right? God's choice of communication is word of God, his word. God speaks to us in dreams and prophecies and those type of things. Like, But I need you to grab a hold of something. Those dreams and prophecies, if they don't line up with the word of God, if they don't confirm what leadership in your life has already admonished, you need to be careful. See, God spoke to Joseph in a dream, didn't he? God spoke to Mary. And those things coincided with prophecy and the word of God. And they could embrace these things as an angel had come and shared it. And, and, and they were all lining up. See, God will never direct you to do something that's contrary to his written word. Someone once came to me and said, Pastor Don, uh, the, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I don't have to read the Bible anymore. I said, a spirit spoke to you, but it wasn't holy. And see, that is in particular in, because of my emphasis on reading the Scripture. We should read the Word. And I, and I knew that spirit right away. Why would that person come and tell me that? Why not tell, hello, somebody? And I said, that spirit's not of the Lord. And then they proceeded to say, and on top of that, the Holy Spirit gave me a prophetic word for you. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And I don't want you to say it because I'm not going to receive it. So you have to protect my own heart. And the best way to do that, and I'm going to tell you something right now. This thing will hurt your feelings. This thing will teach you where you've been living in the flesh and thinking God winks at it and where you've been walking with God. And this is why I believe most people don't, especially people who call themselves Christians, don't want anything to do with it because they know it'll change their willful sinning. I got to move on to Christmas message though. Will this Christmas be forgotten like others? Will it? Will we continue as we always have? Or will we further be changed like the cast of Christmas? Will this Christmas be the one where you finally turn to him and you believe and follow him? What does that look like for us? Here's, what I, here's, here's an interesting thing. After the wise men... began to follow Christ, God didn't, God didn't stop them from being wise men. He sent them back to use their influence and their wisdom. The shepherds didn't stop being shepherds. They continued to be a voice to say people must know. They went back. 
You see, so often we think that the call of God is so radical that we can't enter into it because it will require me to do something. What if God is just asking you to be changed so powerfully by the move of Christmas that he just sends you right back to where you were so that you too can say, people must know. People must know. Will this Christmas be the one where we finally say, Lord, I'm all in. Can I say this to you? The best place to be is always where Jesus is. The times where we are protected the most is when we are closest to Jesus. God protected the shepherds in scary times. They were poor, yet God provided for them. God protected Mary and Joseph in scary times. Listen, we think we live in scary times, but we've not seen a public mandate where the government itself says kill babies by demand. We, we live in some dark times, but I need you to understand it here with me that God calls his church to exist on the earth because of darkness. And those who will shine like these lights are the ones who will reveal the gospel. You see, we've got to understand something, that God protected Mary and Joseph. Not only did he keep Jesus from being killed, but he moved them into Egypt, which is a hostile land for a heap. Come on. And he protected for them there also for three years. And before sending them there, he had some wise men from the other side of China show up with stuff that they were going to be able to use to finance living in Egypt. Joseph didn't build furniture in Egypt. He was a carpenter, but he didn't build furniture there. They lived on what God provided through the wise men, the the magi, the frankincense, the gold, and myrrh, all of that. That was their resource. Listen, let me tell you something. If you think that God is going to leave you and abandon you after he called you and in obedience you stepped out, amen, to to walk with him, if you think he's going to drop you cold turkey, you've got a wrong idea about God. But there's a lot of times that God doesn't reveal to us how he's going to resource what he's doing in our life until we take that step. They were at peace in this place of God's provision. The best thing to do is to always, always do what God says to do. You see, what it looks like to me might actually be different than what it looks like to God, but there's this moving in my spirit. It's not Thailand, it's Guatemala. Okay. Okay. Are you disappointed? You see what I'm saying? Like God never leaves us disappointed in obedience. Oh, that, that's not in my notes. Somebody write it down. I got, I got to move on here because y'all been, how long did y'all worship? I don't, I don't know. Anyway, the only one you and I can truly trust, the only one that you and I know who's going to come through in the end is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amy, will you come play the piano for us? I'm not going to ask you to play this song, though. Just play. Okay. There's a Christmas song that we like to sing. 
And it tells us what we're to do. And I shared this the other night. I can remember as a little boy going to my grandmother's house in South Carolina. Every other year I would get to spend Christmas with my mother in South Carolina. And every uh, Christmas Eve, there's a big gathering at my grandmother's house. And uh, my, my grandfather, when he was alive, would play Santa. And he would come out. And all the grandkids were there. And um, My aunt, Aunt Denise... Uh, she would play the organ, and my grandparents had a, a, a little organ in the living room there. And I remember it was different for me because I didn't sing these songs, and I didn't really know them. Um, but she would play the organ, and this song, every other year when I was there, no doubt, before everybody could open presents, everybody would sing. And I, I can remember the lyrics, just the chorus. Go tell it on the mountain. I remember that as a little boy. I'd never been to church. It's not, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I remember this song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, Over the Hills and Everywhere. Go Tell It on the Mountain that Jesus Christ is born. As a little boy, I remember those two verses. It's almost like God planned it. It's almost like God planned it. Now that Christmas is over, can I say this to us as Firm Foundation Ministries? The mission has just begun. People must know. Come on. People must know. Will you stand with me? I I pray that May the after Christmas season, let me put it that way, this year, may your personal encounter with Jesus through Christmas have inspired you in such a way that it sends you out to bring others to Him. Bring others to Jesus. Let me just tell you something. You start bringing people to church, don't worry about room. We'll make room. Hello, somebody. People start getting saved because of your vision and your encounter with Jesus. God will make room. And I need the young people in the church to hear me clearly, right? If the Lord tarries, the leadership of this church fully intends to give you the vision of this church. And we fully intend to see you walk in the legacy of what God spoke to us. And so even now, we're thinking about those things and praying about that. Why? Because people must know. People must know. People must know. And I want us to embrace the mission of Christmas. Hello? Somebody. Come on. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, here we are. December 25th has come and gone once again, Lord. But the mission, the rescue mission, is wide open. And so, Lord, thank you for the cast of Christmas. Thank you how they have inspired us. Thank you that, Lord, you have called us. To share the good news. You've called us to understand that Christmas is the beginning of the good news. 
and that an evil day needs good news and that a dark day needs the light of God. And so let us shine as we share the good news for your glory and your honor. God, we know not what tomorrow brings. As a matter of fact, God, it's not our business. Our business is today, right here with you. You hold tomorrow in your hand. And so, Lord, we give you 2022. You are, it's almost like you have it planned. Help us to trust you. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. Come on. Turn around and tell your neighbor, it's almost like God planned it.